Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, how's she cut? What's the crack, hey? No bother, hey. Tell me this now, tell me no more. How's your eye getting on? Oh, I'm soaking diesel. That's deadly. Are you a door board or are you a lady board? What did a breath did I say? Got the shift off your man last night. Is he our one? She's some bjore. Chigach, Gokthenia, Kunasatatu, how are you getting on? What's the crack? Nicola here from the Tis Yourself podcast, and very happy to have you here with me. And this is going to be my last episode of this season, season two of Tis Yourself. This is going to be my last episode. Um, coming up towards Christmas, I'm going to hopefully get some big names booked in for next year. So that's the next goal if, t- if I decide to come back for season three, and hopefully there will be one. Um, I really appreciate all the support for everyone who has you know listened throughout the year and everything like that i got my spotify unwrapped uh details the other day and it was the first time i've ever seen it for a podcaster um, obviously this podcast is only um on since march so you know every i suppose for me everything is a big deal um and one of the big key things that came out was my interview with jonathan jolie um that was which is remains my most listened to episode and had has been listened to in 28 different countries and they said obviously the uk was the biggest one on the day followed by the us and who listened and later on i think it was been sunday or something that was amazing. I can't believe it. 28 different countries. I'm like, sorry, what? This is unreal. Um, 112 of you listened to this podcast more than any other podcast. So that's so cool. Also, it was hilarious because I got my own Spotify unwrapped from, you know, the music side of things and uh, podcasts. And I was, my second most listened to podcast was my own. But that's just because I play it with the volume down. So I get a little listen there, you know. Um, so that was kind of funny. Um, my most listened to was Sex with My Boss, which is not surprising for anyone who knows me. Um, so that was amazing uh, to get all those stats and get people, like I was saying, you know, the days that people listen on their birthdays and all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. And I really appreciate everyone who does listen. Um, and some people who tagged me and said that they was their most listened to were Neve, uh, Jade, um, actually two Neves, randomly. Two Neves uh, had both had me as their most listened to podcast. So sound, sound lads, really appreciate it. And um just keep listening, keep sharing, keep sending it to your friends. Uh, if you enjoy an episode, send it on, put it up on your Insta story, all that kind of stuff. Now, self-promotion over. Let's go on to today's episode. So on Tuesday night, I went to the Ireland women's game against Georgia out at Tallis Stadium, my cousin Kiva. And on the way in, we were like, oh, what do you think? What's the score to me? And I said, let's be positive. Let's go in five nil. And she was like, mm, let's go with three nil. And I was like, mm, let's see. So we run up to the, the stadium and we were like two minutes late. We missed the um, the anthems, national anthems. And we we're literally just outside. And all we hear was this big roar. And like there's people around us just running in because they're obviously the same as us, just got off the Lewis. And Ireland had scored. And we just said to each other, oh, that's not the only goal for Ireland because, you know, this is, we're after missing it. I have to watch it back on Twitter and, you know, RTE later. It wasn't the only goal. There's 10 more. Ireland won 
11 nil against Georgia. We literally barely sat in our seats because we were up cheering and swimming for the goals. And it was amazing, especially because in the second half, we were right across from the goal and we could see them all going in. We got to see a penalty. We got to see the, you know, go, uh, all the corner kicks and all the kind of cracks. It was actually such a laugh. And yeah, I was so delighted to be there. It was such a great game and um, definitely encouraging more people to go to the women's games. And it was great to see there was a really good crowd there. Um, I think that was my second time going to see the ladies out there in Tala. So on both times they've won. So just uh, claiming my own bit of credit. <laughs> That's as much as I could have done. And the tickets are so cheap. We got two tickets for um, the two matches that were, one was on Thursday, one was on Tuesday, and it was 15 quid. So basically 750 tickets. Come on, that's shiny, man. So obviously the ladies will be back playing, playing back next year. The first game is in April and they've got some away, but they've got a couple at home as well. So I would suggest Christmas coming up. A very cheap, but very good present. Love it. Anyway, my guest today is Irish international, P-Mend United player, Anya O'Gorman, who's here to talk all about women's football, how she got into it, um, where it is in comparison to when she first got into it now, as you know, all that kind of side of stuff. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So let's get stuck in. Hi, Anya. How's it going? How's it going? How yeah, good. All good. Uh, if you're up to it, we'll just get stuck in straight away if that works for you. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I always just start off by asking how people, you know, the public would know you best. Um, myself personally or the yeah. team? You. Oh, um, yeah, me. <laughs> I suppose playing football. Yeah, I suppose we're playing football for the Irish team for 15 years, I believe now. So, yeah, 111 caps. My God, that is Makes amazing. me feel old. <laughs> Tell me, like, was there people in your family that played football? Was it your friends that, like, got you into it? How did it kind of start going from, like, being, like, kick around the garden to, I love this? Yeah, so I suppose it also kind of started out. Um, I have an older brother. He's a year and a half older than me. So um, he was going down playing football and then scary um, on a Saturday morning. And then I used to go down with my mom and watch. And if the teams weren't even at the end, then I used to be allowed to join in in the match. So every week I'd be going down hoping that the teams were being even. And then eventually his manager time, Jerry Barton, let me go training regularly. And I think that's where I kind of started falling in love with, with, with the game and, and the game of football. And then I progressed onto the under-18 and then scary and, and right up until I, I wasn't allowed to play with the boys anymore at under 14 level. Well, I find that mental that you were playing alongside the lads and first of all, that you were just filling in for somebody and then you're up, you're playing, keeping the pace and everything like that. Was There, there was obviously no women's team around. Yeah, no, so it's great now and then scary that obviously there's nearly just as many girls teams as there is boys teams, so they match all the way up, so that's obviously a great opportunity. Yeah, but when I was growing up, there was very few girls playing. I suppose there was myself and my friend played and a couple of other girls came in and out of our team at the moment and that would have been rare I suppose mm. um, in the Wicklow League that, that I played in though but I was very lucky I suppose that I was kind of accepted as one of the lads and I was given the same opportunity as the lads um, by the manager at Morris uh, Chadwick and Ray Flood at the time and I'm still quite good friends with a lot of the lads that I grew up playing football with. So when did it stop then that you weren't allowed to play with them anymore? Yeah, so I think officially you're meant to stop playing at under 13 level. Mm. Um, and then Katie Taylor played football in Wicklow as well and they made like an exception in the rule in Wicklow. So it was like an FAI rule under 13 level and then Wicklow let us play till we were under 14. And that rule then became under dispute because they wanted the same rules across the country as well. So I was lucky that I got to play with the, the boys when I was under 14. 
And then um, Tony Pouch, who was a kind of one of my mentors, both through life, set up a Wicklow Football Academy and Wicklow. So all the girls that played in, in the boys' teams, I suppose, across the county, we all used to meet up once a week and train. And from then, he got a link into Stella Mar as a, a team in Dublin. So that's where a handful of us from Wicklow used to go in and play our football. And um, we think over 14, 16, 18 and a, a little bit of uh, senior women's football as well, right through the ages. And it was a really, really successful and talented team, I suppose, as well. We won numerous All-Irelands right the way through. It's funny that age 14, like when, they, when they're cutting you off there, and, near, and like it would have been very easy for you guys to give up. But that age is very, um, like in a, in a girl, young girls, you probably notice this yourself, a lot of girls fall off from sport at that age because, you know, puberty and school and... Uh, self-confidence issues and all that kind of stuff and you guys were still like no no I want to find a way to keep playing yeah that's it and obviously we're kind of thankful to Tony Pouch that kind of um, I suppose paved that way that we got that opportunity to continue playing and that's where was all the opportunities to represent um, the league in Dublin then the Leinster schools team um, Gainer Cup teams and then that's where you get your trials for Ireland and um, eventually some of us were quite successful and, and went on to play for Ireland so yeah, it was great that we had that opportunity, but I'm sure it wasn't the same throughout the country at the time. And it's great now that it's a lot different. There's a lot more opportunity for girls to get involved. And um, I know there's still the issues with, with girls dropping out, but um, it's like creating a kind of a norm around it as well. And mm-hmm. I think that it's becoming more normal now that girls do continue to play sport. And I'd any, urge anyone at that kind of age, like any of my friends that I talked to would kind of always regret like giving up or um, not being involved in that team sport at that age. I think it's one of those things that I can't think of when I was younger, any women in sports, except for maybe Sonia O'Sullivan, was like, you know, who I knew was winning in any sport, I suppose. But now you think between, obviously, you know, the football, you see Katie Taylor's doing amazing in boxing. Um, let's look at the, the you know, the uh, hockey team, you know, absolutely incredible. So it's starting as, as the GA team, obviously the dubs especially, you see as the wins keep coming, the interest starts piling on as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's that there's obviously bread of promotion around it. And like even the our team as well, that's obviously gone from strength to trend, strength since I suppose that kind of stand in 2017. And, and you look where we are now and breaking records, um, TV audience, crowds in Tala. Obviously, we've got our big Sky sponsorship in. We have um, Equal Pay. Um, and this obviously inspires young girls and, and young boys alike to keep uh, going on and, and trying to live that dream of playing for Ireland and I think I was quite lucky as well that I got given a ticket to go watch the Irish women's team play in Richmond Park when I was younger my dad brought me in I'd say there was probably 100 people watching and that's the day that like I've seen Olivia too come on score goals that I realised I could live that dream and I suppose being aware that you can live that dream as well and, and having female role models is, is so important yeah, it's so important because it, in every aspect of life, having a female role model as a young girl, like, you know, but to see success as well, as you say, you're like, I could score that goal. She she just scored the goal that I could, I could be able to do that. And like to even get them, get the call up. Do you, do you remember your first call up for Ireland? Um, yeah, so I would have, my first trial ever went on for a, a Dublin League team. I actually um, didn't make the team. So uh, that was like a kind of when, when I was like 13. Oh my so, God. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think that kind of at the time I remember being quite disappointed, but it motivated me as supposed to to be better and be more determined as well. So, yeah, and then from there, like you go on and play for like the Dublin team, 
and then the Leinster team, Leinster Skills team. And from playing in that Leinster Skills team would have been when I got my first call up to play for the Irish Skills team at under 15 level. So, um, yeah, no, I just remember being so happy and obviously it was a dream come true for me to to go play for Ireland. It's something that I always suppose started to work towards and when I realised that I could live that dream and was determined for, to make it happen. So, yeah, it was it was obviously quite amazing and, and a tournament. But, you know, then when you're younger and it kind of all starts happening, you just kind of keep going with the flow and, and kind of trying to enjoy the moment as well. So from there, everything just escalated. I was playing under 17, under 19 um, Irish team. And then I got called in and I think a player pulled out the Irish senior squad when they were going to the Algarve Cup. And then Noel King, who was the manager at the time, um, called me in and that was obviously... Uh, a priceless experience as well being involved in, in that squad with like so many great players like I mentioned Olivia O'Toole Emma Byrne Keir Grant Yvonne Tracy who, who all played for, for Arsenal at the time That is so cool like to be able to turn around and say you've represented your country is incredible it's a small niche of people that have that without like in any aspect of the world like so to be able to say yeah I pull on the green jersey I'm representing Ireland that's just so class. Yeah, I suppose it's an amazing feeling and I think it's obviously really nice for your family and your friends around you who supported you throughout your whole career. Obviously then to go out and see you play, play in the green jersey as well. Like, like every time you put it on, it's a huge honour and you're quite passionate about it. But I still think when you're in the moment and you're playing, you're always looking forward, looking for the next game. What can I do better? But I think eventually when I retire again, um, <laughs> you'll, you'll really appreciate it more. Yeah, because you retired and then you came back uh, last year and I'm like, what what happened there that, you know, you were like, I'm done, I'm international, I'm going to hang up with boots. And you're like, actually, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, so like I'd obviously been playing since I was 16 in the Irish team and um, make huge commitments, family commitments, and um, life commitments to play for the team as well. And um, I've been playing for 12 years and just kind of felt at the time it was maybe time just to take a step back and let some of the younger players, huge talented couple of players coming through and... Then obviously when you when you take a step back, then the opportunity came knocking when when Vera came back involved, then Eileen Gleason was the assistant manager um, to to go back into the squad for for the Greece game. I suppose when it came around, it was something that I couldn't turn down. I think I just kind of regret it for the rest of my life. So yeah, it's, uh, I don't regret it either, and it kind of feels like I never left. And um, the team's gone from strength to strength. The team that you have now, the, like I was at the game on Tuesday, and I, I barely sat down because I was up and down cheering and. The goals were just non like I every time I was like, Oh my god, it's gonna end four nil. No, it's my Instagram stories literally were like four nil, five nil, seven nil, nine nil. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was class. It was obviously a great way to end the the year. Um of the football in the year, I suppose getting a record breaking score and um, yeah, I think we knew if I think that we scored early that um that could rattle them as well and the girls were obviously really disciplined in their performance and, and the goals kept coming in. It was great to see, like, obviously, Jess Sue starting right wing and then some players getting, Kira Cruz getting her first goal, Denise Sullivan first hat-trick, Sish Noonan first goal. Um, yeah, so it's great. It was a great, great night and a great moment and I think we'll just look to, to build on that and hopefully them goals will stand by us as we go on later in the campaign because we've got a, a few tough games ahead. I know. I was like, well, I was saying when I looked at the um, the table afterwards, and obviously you guys are in second place, and then you look at the goal difference, you're just like, okay, those eleven goals are gonna, they're gonna have to end the line. Yeah, hopefully a firm position and goal difference counts as a, a second best finisher to to get a better draw or whatever it might it might be to, to 
qualify for the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand um, that'll be massive benefit but I think we still have to do our business obviously we've Sweden away next one and they're one of the best teams in the world so that's going to be tough then Georgia away and then two big crunch games with Finland at home and, and Slovakia away next September so we need to just make sure we do the business how much training do you guys have to do as for the international? Because obviously you play for payment and you have your own stuff that you're doing, you know, for your own club. How much time goes into the actual international side of things? Yeah, like, so I suppose it's a lot of your time away from the international team. You're preparing to be ready when you go into the setup. So mm-hmm. you're at your best, you're sharp and ready to step up to, to international level. So um, at the moment, we only do one home-based training session a month with the, all the Irish-based players, which you'd like to see increased. Um, but apart from that, we're obviously training three times a week with our club. I go training once with the boys. And then obviously we have a match at the weekend and whatever other sort of conditioning sessions you need to do on that. So it is full on when um, obviously we're kind of having amateur status still in this country. Like I say, with a professional attitude and a lot of us still working stuff. So yeah, um, massively dedicated obviously to to continue playing for the country. I find it mad that some of you still still have to work, you know what I mean? Like I, I get that I suppose the women's football is not where um in in people's minds I suppose where it should be. But it's still fi- I still find it so bizarre that, you know, our these people who are representing our country still have to go out. Like I know there's some doc some nurses out there, you know, people working different jobs and then play, pulling on the jersey and like scoring eleven goals. You know what I mean? That to me is just mental. Yeah, I suppose there's obviously more girls probably professional now than there has been in the past and that's because there's a lot more um, opportunities to go abroad and, and obviously earn a living and train full-time, whether it be in England, Scotland, Germany and um, some girls in, like Denise and Diane in America as well. But yeah, I obviously um, want a bit of home bird and I like being here and I'm quite passionate about developing the game here and developing our league and eventually I'd like to see it go semi-professional and then professional. Um, at some t- time down the line but um, it's kind of always what you knew and you just have to manage your time well and um, be prepared and, and still put in the training sessions So what do you so you're working another job as well as you know club football and international football Yeah yeah so um, I was a personal trainer fitness instructor and in September I actually started um, a role in you reach as a resource person so um, obviously totally enjoying that and just still finding my feet and um, with, with that that new role, um, but yeah, look, it works great, and obviously, um, anyone I've ever worked for are always really understanding your football commitments, and I think um, kind of being a team player, no matter what you kind of do, you always kind of do one hundred percent as well. So, uh, look, it's just about balance and everything, and you find a way, a means, and a way about it. Obviously, you're very interested in youth then between your job and then the fact that you're saying that you want to develop. The, the game itself like the the youth aspect too is obviously really important in getting people I suppose uh, happy in sport or happy in life or you know with the youth reach side of stuff as well yeah I think so like I think um, obviously uh, with the, the sporting thing when I was growing up obviously I think everyone deserves an equal opportunity um, in football and it's obviously developing at a rapid rate here in Ireland and across the world women's football as well at grassroots level like I mentioned in a lot of clubs now, they nearly have as many girls as boys playing, which is is great to see. And yeah, look, I think that's where where the future is. And it's obviously great when we get all the fans in at the, the stadium and all the kids come down. And it was unfortunate with COVID that we couldn't um, go over and sign as many autographs and stuff like that. But just to see how happy 
and the girls and boys are when they get get an autograph or or maybe a selfie or whatever and, and you're inspiring them and, and that's the future I find that I hadn't seen that before so the last game I was at was the Ukraine and I don't know if I missed it or I just don't remember but I remember when I, went, I was at the game the other day and I saw that they were saying because of COVID we can't do the signatures and the selfies but the queues of people that were still hoping for you know sort of something I thought that was just the nicest thing that you know the end of the game you have gangs of kids and people who are really excited about meeting you guys like I've been to the men's matches it's not the same way to the fact that you guys come down and meet them one on one when COVID is not hanging in the air is so sound yeah it's amazing I think that's a big part of it for the young fans to come out and watch us that they get that kind of interaction with the players and I think most players enjoy doing it and kind of giving back to the fans in that way and and like I said, inspiring the future that um, they they one day maybe can go on, or even just finding a love for football or a love for a sport, really, yeah. or whether they go on and play for Ireland. Yeah, so it's, it's obviously a nice touch, and I think it makes it a, a really exciting occasion for for all the young fans in Tala. Well, I I, I hope this doesn't come out sounding condescending or weird, but I was uh, loved the other night. There was loads of gangs of lads there. I don't mean that like like a, oh lads are going to the game, but it was just I I don't know I just. I knew there'd be families there. I knew there'd be teams there, but there was a massive gang of lads up in the corner near me and they did not stop singing from the start to the finish. And it was really nice to see that, obviously, if you're getting groups of lads coming as friends as well, you're starting to break through the... It's starting to become more and more people going to the games. Yeah, definitely. And I think with success, that will start to come as well. With good results, obviously, got a good result away to Finland. Probably a little bit disappointed against our, our result against Slovakia as well, but it's obviously yeah great to see see that coming out. And I always go back to when Orti had the 2019 World Cup and they televised that on telly, and that obviously gave the game really good exposure too. And and people realised that the the women's game is an exciting game to watch, and that we're obviously getting the the following of um of fans as well. So it's brilliant. And I was at the cup final with Wexford and Shelburne in Tallaght Stadium as well, and. Um, all the what would you say the ultra fans the Shells ultra fans that support the men's team are all there in Tallaght Stadium as well supporting the women's team so that that obviously shows progress too that, that to me definitely shows progress in the sense that there was, there was lads there who were screaming not just lads but girls who knew everyone's name on the pitch the other night you know what I mean whereas maybe five years like you can probably tell me better In where are we now can you see the difference from five, ten, fifteen years ago with crowds with support oh massively um, I think even right from like cross social media platforms promotion even when there's media days and um, the amount of press that's there crowds I'd say we used to only kind of get our families and friends and maybe a few teams in into the stadium as well so that's obviously a lot of credit obviously we're going out and playing and trying to play good football and, and get results as well but a lot of it has to go back to Garrett Maher who's our, our media officer as well and he's very passionate and the backing we're getting from, from our sponsors as well Yeah it must be class when Sky said they were coming along and sponsoring you because you're like this is a big deal this isn't Jimmy O'Brien's butchers down on the Long Mile Road this is proper huge money like huge uh, platform like the fact that Sky are coming on board Yeah it's amazing like, to be fair I think they've been amazing since they came on um, I obviously made a video with them not so long ago um, and it was brilliant and then like they're after putting, uh, donating 10,000 because all our jerseys are going up to 
there's a tenure, there's a raffle and our jerseys are going into the raffle. All our jerseys and the money's going to the children's hospitals as well and they're after backing that up by giving um, an extra 10,000 on top of whatever's earned already. So look, you can see they're doing they're doing Trojan work and just from speaking to them as well, they've, they've really big plans to promote the game and you can feel they're really behind us and I think that kind of instills like that gives us that little extra edge and that extra, extra edge of belief that we might need coming into 2022. I think, yeah, I think it kind of shows that someone, if someone that big is supporting you, it really makes you think, well, they're obviously want to want to see us their their logo, and they think that we're doing well. So they obviously think we're going to win games because otherwise they wouldn't want their logo on like losing teams. You know what I mean? So that's class to be able to go. Okay, yeah, we've got this. But like, what are the what's the hardest thing I suppose about the the game at the moment for for you guys? The hardest thing. Mm. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Look, like... <laughs> <laughs> what's the hard thing? Uh, I don't know like I suppose like it's becoming more competitive isn't it right across yeah. the board and like all countries are are becoming progressive like you can even see Slovakia and they, they were quite a good side do tonight they're seated fourth in our group as well so um, as the game evolves in Ireland as well every other country is trying to keep up with us too so I think we just have to, to stay in our toes and keep trying to push and, and push forward too and like I said I'd like to see the, the Women's National League in Ireland um, starting to turn into a semi-professional environment. Yeah, and, and by like just going semi-professional, I don't mean like oh, you're just playing a few players for a few matches. Like the environment has to be professional. Like mm. the setup has to be professional, and the resources and the backroom staff and and medical and, and facilities, everything in that environment um, has to be professional. There's no point in throwing the players a few quid if if the support and the training and that that platform to perform isn't there. Well, that's the thing. Like we've seen in a lot of female sports down the years, um, you know, the, the the different facilities haven't been well. I think it was Connacht Rugby or something like that who were getting changed outside. And you know, the women. I know the women obviously in in the football they had to make a stand a few years ago against the FAI and stuff like that. Like to just kind of go, we need to be treated as equal. And that's in all sports. And that's brilliant to see that. Fine. When as you say, if we're going to go semi-professional, it doesn't mean six players get a bit of money it means get a good coach get a good you know uh, dietitian in get all get the good facilities for us to play on yeah that's it like I think you're either all in you're all out and I think that's probably something that's been really um, good about the Sky sponsorship you can see like they're 100% behind us and they're not cutting any corners and Mm. and they're really supporting the team in every and any way way they can as well and going back to that like you still hear stories of um like in clubs and local clubs and stuff like that like the girl, the women's team or the girls team are meant to have a match on the main pitch but then sometimes they're kicked off just for the lads to go train and so like there's still a way to go obviously at the elite level it's it's improving all the time but, but there's still some work to do and I think we still need to try and encourage more women to get involved at like grassroots level and helping clubs whether it be coaching or on committees Yeah it's not just I suppose we always just think of the players themselves you kind of go we need more female players. We need, you know, more of you guys. But actually, you're right. It, it's the other level of stuff. We need more background staff that are women because it doesn't, it doesn't have to be just the people who are on the pitch. We need the people that are going to be supporting them, feeding them, helping them, training with them, coaching them to be women who feel comfortable in that environment. Yeah, I think so. Like, And I think that the more women get involved and I don't know why sometimes women are, are hesitant to get involved in, especially like if, say, their young daughter or something goes crazy, it's the, 
the dad or whatever that might go might go down and help and and sometimes it's not it's least likely to be the mother to get to go down and, and get involved at the club and I, I talk to clubs sometimes and they say that like they're trying to urge women to get involved and I don't know the reason if they lack confidence or they don't have enough think they know enough about about football to, to get involved but I would encourage as, as many women at that level to, to get involved as possible Well I know myself because like I go to a lot of football games you know I'm big across the board in all sports kind of like everything except for cricket um, but um, I know my own friends would say like they maybe would know a lot about rugby, but then if I say, "Do you want to come to a match with me?" They might like football or GA. They might be like, "Oh, I don't like I don't know all the rules." And I'm like, "Well, you don't have to know all the rules. Come along, see do you enjoy it? See do you enjoy the crack singing? You know all that kind of stuff." I suppose it is a confidence thing. Maybe if you're the mom, you might think, "I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass them because I don't really know what they should be doing and stuff like that." But the way to learn is to get stuck in. Yeah, I think so, and you don't have to go in and be the the first team coach or whatever you can go in and get involved in in another level as well like and and that's not to say that all men to get involved know what they're what they're doing and and either they so um look it's just, just to get involved and I think help out as, as much as you can and just have the confidence to do it and what do you think about you know out being out in Tala would you like to see the game brought to the Aviva maybe even for you know some big matches or some big qualifiers or something like that what would you think yeah, look, I think um, Tallis kind of became the home of women's football at the moment. Um, and I think we quite enjoy going to that stadium. And I think until we can probably sell it out properly, consistently. Um, and when we do that, then, yeah, you'd like to see us see if we could think about maybe going to, to play in the Viva for a big game or, or whatever it might be. But then you don't want to lose the home advantage in that way either, like by going mm-hmm. and playing on a different pitch than you used to as well. So I think you just have to to balance that out and it will depend on, on the situation when the time comes. Yeah, you're like, I don't want to be on a winning streak in Tala and then go to the Aviva and start losing in front of more people. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I know. And I played in the Aviva and the pitch just feels huge. It does, actually. I suppose it, it, there's something, I think, with the with the Tala Stadium that because the you're so close to the edge and so close to the pitch, it kind of feels like it's like a local aspect kind of in a way. It's kind of like your local GA club or something. You kind of feel like one of the players could nearly go to you, come here, throw us that water bottle or something because you're that close. Whereas the Vivi yeah, yeah. break your neck seats and you're like, I think that's number 12. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Like, I think it just creates a, a good atmosphere in Tala and until we can sell that out, I suppose, on a system basis, um, then then we'll see what happens next. Oh, I'd love to see us there, though. I'd love to see a game in the Aviva. Yeah, no, like- it would be class. It would be class, but you'd like to get a good crowd and all. Oh, yeah. Because well, there's nothing worse than being in a big stadium with with no fans yeah like I, I was like loving the crowd the other night there was such great singing there was great crack and everything like that uh, is that a big difference that you notice now these days that there is more people coming to the games oh massive like I think it was before the Sweden game we were lined up and we were singing the national anthem and I could hear the crowd behind in the south stand belting out the national anthem I kind of got like shivers a little bit and that's something I don't think I've ever experienced before yes yeah, so that was amazing and you can you can hear the crowd and you notice the crowd and, and they do give you that little, few extra little little bit of edge that sometimes you might need in a, in a tight game. And um, before I let you go, just away from football, like and away from work and all that, like do you get time to kind of go and you know let's say go to the pub or go out and mm-hmm. because it seems like you are what training three times a week, you know you're doing a one month with the a one game a month with the the Irish squad, like. 
where do we find the time to do anything? Like go out and have the crack and see other people who don't play football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, actually, my best friend, she um, she doesn't actually. She did grow up playing football, but she still can't understand that. Like you can't wait the night before a game. Um, but um, it's grand. Now look, um, we'll have a break now. The season's over. International's over. So um, enjoy Christmas and, and get going again in January. So to be honest, I'm quite looking forward to it. It's feel like felt like a long, long kind of year. Yeah, with COVID especially, that probably did add a lot of... I didn't even think about that. Like with your training, how did that go? Yeah, so we were lucky that we kind of got exceptions early on in COVID that we were allowed to go back. But last season, we went all the way to confine and that finished quite late. And then the turnaround back into this season, or they started the league a little bit earlier as well. So... Um, it was quite quite a tight turnaround. It's just been a strange year and it kind of all feels like it's mushed into into one, if you know what I mean, from last season to this season. Yeah, so it'd be nice now just to, to take a step back and enjoy some family time and, and go see my friends and stuff like that if COVID allows. So, yeah, looking forward to, to going to the pub for a few drinks. I'd be like, I can eat all of these sweets and I'll work them off in January. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, now it's nice just to switch off to. Oh well, I'm just so delighted for you because I, I I love and see that there's so much support growing for you girls and for uh, hopefully next year beat Sweden and <laughs> we'll be. I think it's isn't it the top two that get through anyway into qualifying. Yeah, yeah, so you'll have to play off. Yeah, so the top team will go straight through, and then the second team has to go into a playoff, and I think it's like a semi-final and final kind of playoff. Oh. Yeah, no, it's not as straightforward as it's come second and winning your playoff. It's uh, yeah, it gets it gets a little bit complicated. I read up on it there not so long ago. And I actually can't exactly remember, but right now we're just finished. Both yeah. not finished first or second, and we're both there. Yeah, it's like let me just uh, let me get this year over and done with. I don't want to think about football until yeah. at least next year. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like. Have a great Christmas. Don't think about football yeah. once until January the 9th or whenever you have to go back to training. Yeah. Well, all I do is watch football when I'm at home, so. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm like, <laughs> you, your family must be just like, seriously, you don't want to watch Netflix yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, know, I enjoy the football over Christmas, though. Yeah. Well, there's, there's the, what, Stephen's Day is always a good day for football. Um, and yeah, well. New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day they play as well. In the round, there's always loads of fixtures. It's great. Who do you support, by the way? Man United. Oh, so you're yeah. having a tough enough year as is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough enough, but good result last night, and then your manager is coming in now, so we'll see what happens. As you know, that you know the crack, the the atmosphere around there probably at the moment is just like we just need to keep winning because everybody is pissed off us. <laughs> I know yeah I know I can imagine morale is quite low but we'll get there I know oh god imagine I just can't imagine the level of fame they have and having that stress I'd be like oh, no no money in the world is worth that <laughs> <laughs> the hate that would be projected at them all the last few months I couldn't be dealing <laughs> I know yeah I'd be grand yeah they'd be grand they've got their millions <laughs> And um, enjoy your Christmas. Yeah. Have a great Christmas, and I will talk to you soon. Cheers. See you later. Bye. 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 Huge thanks there to my guest Anya O'Gorman, Irish international, and as you heard, she's also a youth reach worker when she's not playing club football and international football. So, of course, making us all feel extremely lazy in our day to day lives. Um, no, it was really cool to talk to her and to see Irish women's football getting its day in the sun, getting more support. 
um, more TV time, more media time, and of course, more bums and seats. And that is the big drive. Uh, we can all talk about how much we want to see women's sports doing well. But of course, if we don't go and see it, if people don't go to the actual events, then it's it's not going to be picked up by a media sp- or, you know, it's not going to get as much coverage which is, as it should be so do go and see the women play um if you can and it doesn't just mean uh out in Tala. you can guarantee there's ladies football being uh taking place in your area whether it's ga soccer rugby whatever guarantee the tickets are much cheaper than the lads so why not go along show a bit of support put on your scarf and your hat and go down and see so look it'll be a bit of crack and it's something different to do and of course it'll mean a lot to people who uh, you know, mightn't get as big a crowds as, you know, some of the other sports. So I'm delighted to be, I'm delighted that I got to go on Tuesday. What a game to go to as well. And the Ukraine game I went, they won 3-2 and it was literally like three goals in the space of two minutes. Like it was Ireland scored, Ukraine scored, Ireland scored again. It was just absolutely insane. So it was so exciting and it's much less boring than the men's game. I love the men's game, but I just have to say it was a bit less boring than the men's game. Um, So yes, do... Uh, go and support the women. Their uh, the rest of their qualifying campaign kicks off in April and then in June and September. So keep an eye on those. But as I said, go and see local games. You know, if you have a young girl in your life who would like to go and see them, young young boy as well. Go whether it's the football, go to Gaelic, to um, go to rugby. Like bring them along, and the more support, the better. I just, I was so excited to see the crowds that were there the other night. And obviously that was on TV and they got record numbers on Orshi for a women's game, which a women's Irish game, which absolutely fantastic in class. And of course they're on the Late Late Show last night. So you probably, that's going to help them as well and get the word out there. And yeah, go and find out the names of the team and support them and follow them on socials and you'll be able to get them, um, be able to follow them there. Listen, this is my last episode uh, of this season and it's been great i've had such an amazing season um god when i think about it uh rj mitty from breaking bad has been on with me we've had jonathan jolie maria mullins both from tiktok um god i'm, I'm like who else we've had sophie from jory shore um father peter mcferry we've had keith barry oh look there's been so many people and if you have only just listened to this episode please do scroll back and add us to your podcast playlists and add me to or just play press play on the next episode i've just moved to acast i'm very excited about it and uh, hopefully that'll bring in some more numbers but a word of mouth is always the best way so if you're a fan of irish football and you've enjoyed this do scroll back see is there anything else you'd be interested in and send it on to somebody else who loves irish football let's make this one of the top listened episodes that would be so cool um i'm going to put up a best of episode of season one and season two in the coming weeks and come and follow me i'm now just added myself on the tiktok uh after speaking to miriam last week i just decided to add myself on tiktok and as we speak i've only put up a couple of clips but one from my chat with jane warden one from my chat with nicole o'brien from too hot to handle so come follow me i'm on twitter instagram just put in tis yourself and you'll find me um, and of course, if you're on Apple, leave a review. I'd love to end the season with some few nice reviews. No no mean ones. Got one mean one from somebody who didn't like Jonathan Jolie. And that just is just not sound. Brought down my numbers way down. My only mean uh, review on Apple. So if you're feeling kind, I'm going to bump it back up in the, in the positive category. That would be really sound to you. Anyway, uh, just, I won't get emotional, but it's been lovely to do this every week. And 
uh, for anyone who sent ever sent me a nice message, anyone who's ever shared this on their story or shared it in a WhatsApp or sent it to a friend, um, for anyone who has uh, sent me a message just quoting something or has liked something or commented, comments obviously um, really help with the algorithms, but all that kind of stuff. Anyone who's ignored the sound of my dog in the background while she squeaks her ball, um, all that stuff, it means a lot to me. Um, this is you know, I saw the, the podcast Unwrapped Stats the other day and the likes of, you know, Tommy and Hector and Joanne and, and Vogue. Absolutely huge podcast. And I love both of them and they've huge teams, but this is just me. And so if you do listen to an indie podcast like mine, which is basically someone who just does it herself um, or does it themselves, please do share them and give them a little bit of extra love and send them around to other people because we don't get the, the love as the bigger ones do. So it means a lot when you when you do something kind like that. Anyway, I'm going to go. I'll be talking to you soon. I'll keep an eye on the social media and I'll be back. Uh, letting you know when season three is coming back. And yeah, look after yourselves. Have a great Christmas. It's Christmas. And uh, I'm off to play Mario Carey because it is officially December. So you can play that 18 times in a day and nobody can judge. Myself and the dogs are off to dance around the house. We will talk to you soon. Shlonga full. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. 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 Bye, 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 bye. Bye. No. 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 That's done. No. Good luck. Slauncher.